Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. All right, 1 Peter chapter number 4 and verse number 10. I want to read verses 10 and 11 just to get started here today. Our lesson this morning, and this is similar to the past few weeks in each of these. There's no way we can just exhaustively look at one of these subject matters, uh, but we'll try to just look at this today. We're going to talk about, about a little bit spiritual gifts uh, this morning. 1 Peter 4:10. the Bible says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one, to another the particular gift it's speaking of here if you refer back to verse 9 it's like the hospitality uh, as a good as good stewards of the manifold grace of God if any man speak let him speak as the oracles of God if any man minister let him do it as of the ability which God giveth that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever Amen. Again, we're going to be speaking of spiritual gifts this morning. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I love you today. God, I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, that you know, God, where we are. God, you know, God, Lord Jesus, what your people have need of. I pray, Lord, you would open our minds and understanding as we consider the subject matter, Lord, of spiritual gifts today. Help us, Lord Jesus, just to, Lord, be moved upon, Lord, by your spirit. God, that you're able to help us, Lord, that you, Lord Jesus, have given us and allowed us, Lord, to receive the spirit of the Holy Ghost but God there are some gifts of that spirit Lord God that can be in operation of the lives of the people Lord to whom God that you give it Lord Jesus to in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray amen and amen everybody say amen amen, amen. you may be seated this morning in Jesus name hallelujah uh, each person should use basically what this scripture is revealing to us, although it's just speaking about hospitality in certain measures but every person should use whatever gift that God has given you or uh, that you have received in order to serve others around you. Uh, he's not just given uh, the church gifts for the purpose of hoarding them, as it were, or to be able to have the testimony, well, I got this gift from God. But it's for the purpose of being able to serve one another and mankind, fully administering, he says in the Scripture, uh, being a good steward of the manifold grace of God, the many facets of the grace of God, using that gift to demonstrate that to one another uh, within the church and people without of outside of the church. And the, uh, the grand scheme or theme, if you will, of spiritual gifts is to be led by the Spirit. Uh, spiritual gifts belong to the Spirit. Uh, the New Testament church had a very deep expectancy and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, many times what we read in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, is that they had this expectancy that the Lord was going to go everywhere that they went and that he would confirm his word with miracles and signs and wonders. The Bible says in Mark 16, verse 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord, here it is again, the Lord working with them in tandem with them and confirming the word with signs following. It was, it was not peculiar then uh, for uh, the 
be the preaching or the teaching of the word and then there to be healings or something accompany that or uh, the blind eyes being given or different types of signs following that. And it all began in essence there in that upper room of Acts 2 in Jerusalem after the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost. Uh, As a matter of fact, after it fell, the Bible says what happened in that upper room of there being cloven tongues of fire that set up on each of them and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. The Bible says that that in that location and place was noised abroad. And as a result of that being noised abroad, we have thousands of people there at the Feast of Pentecost from different nations, and they come wondering and bewildered. Some were in amazement of what was taking place. And by the end of the day, as it were, additional 3,000 had been added to the church. So I, I want to say this morning, the Holy Ghost is more than just a gift that you receive, but it's something that wants to operate inside you and through you within the local church and within your individual daily lives and within the lives of your family. Now, there is a distinction. There is a distinction between uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost and the, 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 the gift of tongues in the Spirit, the spiritual gifts versus the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, some may say that speaking in tongues and the gift of the Holy Ghost are not for Everyone uh, saying that the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues was just for a certain uh, group of people uh, according to the scriptures of 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. But that's what we're looking at. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 deal with the spiritual gifts or gifts of the Spirit. And many times they go to verse number 30 of 1 Corinthians 12, ask the question, do all speak with tongues? And it's a rhetorical question in the context of 1 Corinthians 12, speaking of spiritual gifts. And the the, the answer for that particular is no, because what they are referring to is the gift of tongues and interpretation. Do all speak with tongues? No, not everybody has received the gift of giving tongues than having someone interpret. But that is not relaying to uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost where you receive and then you'll speak in tongues. Because we understand what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is speaking of because the Bible says in verse number 1, now concerning spiritual gifts. It sets up the context about what 1 Corinthians 12 is going to be about. It's concerning spiritual gifts. He says, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Just to kind of break things down a little bit, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is concerning spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 is the love chapter. You see everything that's being spoken of love and it goes back and relays to the spiritual gifts that though you speak with prophecy or though you speak with the tongues of the angels, if you have not charity or love, then it doesn't profit anything because the spiritual gifts should operate through a spirit of love. Uh, The gifts are not used to uh, hammer people over the head. Uh, The spiritual gifts are not used to uh, embarrass people. The spiritual gifts should operate in love. And so if you don't have love, you don't really have a vein for the spiritual gifts to operate in. Uh, For that matter, we have in Galatians chapter number 5, the fruits of the Spirit. And uh, there's nine of them. And we have in 1 Corinthians 12 the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit and there is nine of them. And there is some correlation between uh, the two. And you need both. 
Uh, I like what T.F. Tenney said one time. He said, the gifts, he said, represent the power of Jesus. He said, the fruits are the personality of Jesus. And he says, it's dangerous any time to come into power without personality. Meaning that we need to adopt and have in our lives the fruits of the Spirit in order for the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in order to operate and take place. So 1 Corinthians 13 is just kind of keeping the gifts in check by saying well, you need the spirit of love in order for these things to operate and then it goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and it begins to give guidelines for what we call the vocal gifts the vocal gifts tongues and interpretation prophecy some further uh, details and guidelines as far as uh, administration and operation of those particular gifts but concerning spiritual gifts brethren I, I would not have you ignorant I don't want us to be ignorant today uh, by and large, throughout uh, centuries of time, uh, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, some people even today shy away from because there was a segment of time from the early church till now that some people has abused spiritual gifts. And in doing so, some have not operated in love with the spiritual gifts and they brought embarrassment and they have brought uh, with a strong fist of uh, things that, 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 that may have been absolutely true, but the manner in which it was conveyed or how it was handled, whether publicly or privately, uh, was just not proper. And God doesn't smile upon that, folks. Let me tell you, God is a gentleman. God is a gentleman. Amen. And so Paul says, I don't want you to be misinformed about these. I don't want you to be unaware about spiritual gifts. Uh, spiritual gifts are nothing more but various ways that God's Spirit works in our lives. Amen. Special abilities, if you will, that the Holy Ghost gives uh, a person or enables a person uh, with. Uh, spiritual gifts work the same way that work on a spiritual level. They are God working through maybe special talents in order to, and this is important, the gifts of the Spirit are given to edify the church. When you read the, the gifts of the Spirit, they're used for the church's edification. All right? They are not for the purpose of replacing God's Word. All right? Uh, the, the, the problem is you have crusades where all it is is a, a healing crusade. Listen to me. Or a prophecy crusade. All that's well and fine. But the gifts were never intended according to God's word to replace his word, but to complement his word. Remember, the apostle said, we're expecting the signs that follow, but they are just a confirmation of the word that we already speak. And so, you know, you've you got to be careful. You, you, you need those things for complementing the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in verse number 4, Sister McGee of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, now there are diversities of gifts, but by the same spirit. In other words, there's different kinds of gifts, but by the same spirit. There are differences of administrations, but by the same Lord. There's, there's different kinds of service and ministry, but by the same Lord. There are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. So diversities of gifts, differences of administration, diversities of operations. Amen. And then we read in verse number 7, but the manifestation, or if you will, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all the manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, whenever a gift is used and it materializes and it manifests itself, 
it is given to every man to profit with all. Now, it's not saying that every gift is given to every man. It's saying whenever someone within a congregation or a group or setting is used in a gift of the Spirit, the use of that gift is for everybody's profit that's there. Again, it's for the body's edification. It's for everyone's profit in that. And verse number 8 tells us everybody benefits whenever a gift of the Spirit is used properly. Amen. When our tongues interpretation used pro- properly, everybody benefits. When a word of prophecy comes forward, it's for the, it's for the purpose of profiting people and profiting the Bible or, 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 or the, the Bible believers, let's call them that. Amen. Spiritual gifts are, again, for edification. Spiritual gifts in, in 1 Corinthians 12 are not for salvation. Not for salvation. They're for edification. The Holy Ghost is for salvation. Spiritual gifts are for edification, edification. And verse 8 tells us that God, if you will, we can even read it, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 8, for to one is, is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. I must have skipped over something, amen. But nevertheless, God in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 tells us God chooses who gets them and not us. It's not like I just choose, you know, I'm just going to go pick up the gift of prophecy. God chooses who gets what gift, amen, because he gives to one this and he gives to another because the Spirit says for to one is given by the Spirit. He gives it here. He disperses that there. Some people may operate in more than one gift. Uh, Just because someone operates in one gift a lot doesn't mean another in the congregation can't operate in the same gift. We, we get that hang-up sometimes in a church. Uh, there comes forth maybe tongues and interpretation. Well, so-and-so usually always interprets, so let them have it. But it ain't necessarily the case. Uh, whenever that happens, if the one who gives the tongues is not there and does not interpret, then we're all to, to, to be praying if by chance the Lord would give us the interpretation. And that can and, and could happen. You, you just got to make yourself readily available unto the Lord and become sensitive to the Spirit of God. But there are key differences between spiritual gifts and the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, the spiritual gifts, again, for edification, the gift of the Holy Ghost for salvation. The Bible says in John 3 and verse number 5, Jesus answered, Verily I say unto thee, except a man be born of the Spirit of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. Amen. So Peter, even on the day of Pentecost, uh, told them to repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall, not might, maybe, but ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So God's telling, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you must be born again, this must happen, the born again experience, we talked about this some over the past several weeks, but that born again experience is broken down to being born of water and born of spirit, amen, and whenever you do, everyone that is born of the spirit will be as the wind, that blows where it desires and you hear a sound, but you can't tell where it came from or where it went. And but so we have this Holy Ghost concept and Holy Ghost idea. It is for us, 
It is the salvation message. It is the promise that was spoken of by the Father whenever he told them to go to Jerusalem until they be endued with power from on high. It is the promise of the Father that he spoke to his disciples that whenever they were there in the upper room and the Bible says after Acts 2.38 verse 39 for the promise it's speaking of that promise of the Father. The promise is unto you and your children to those that are far off as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. It was part of their salvation experience. Amen. So spiritual gifts though. There are various operations of the Holy Ghost. Various operations of the Holy Ghost uh, that's distributed to various individuals according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. But the gift of the Holy Ghost is for everyone. Spiritual gifts broken off, given to here and there, wherever the Lord sees fit as he, as he designs and have. But the gift of the Holy Ghost is not just a breaking off here and there just for whoever, it's for whosoever will. Everyone, uh, inclusive, that is involved. Thirdly, we read in 1 Corinthians 12 that the gifts of the Spirit given for the edification of the church, but the gift of the Holy Ghost has a totally different operation in our lives. Romans chapter number 8 and verse 15, the Bible says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The spirit of the Holy Ghost is the spirit of adoption that we receive in our life that puts us into the family of of God we said a few weeks ago remember adoption uh, the, 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 the main thing of adoption is this is that in that aspect that child is chose and then it also gets the family name uh, whenever it comes into the family well the Holy Ghost is that spirit of adoption uh, that chooses us and, and also puts the family name upon us amen as a matter of fact earlier in that same chapter of Romans 8 it said if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his now that's pretty straightforward if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his amen uh, if we just recap a few of the differences between the gifts of the spirit and the Holy Ghost again the, the gifts of the spirit edification uh, the gift of the Holy Ghost salvation the gifts of the spirit various operations uh, distributed to various people and individuals not everybody must have them not everybody will receive them not everybody will share them but the gift of the Holy Ghost is for everyone 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 all right, amen, it is for everybody. Uh, one thing is this, when we talk about baptisms, water baptism, spirit baptism, baptisms, water baptism, spirit baptism, they put you into the body. All right, they put you into the body. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Sister McGee, I don't know if I have that up there for you, but 1 Corinthians 12, 13, the Bible says, for by one spirit, are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Gentile, whether we be bond or free. He said, by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Amen. And it makes mention there particularly being baptized with the spirit or the spirit baptism. And largely the reason why he concentrates just here on the spirit baptism because the context of the scripture is spirit gifts. So he's concentrating on spirit baptism, but both water baptism and spirit baptism gets you into the body or gets you into Christ. Uh, the Bible says, as many as been baptized, many as been baptized in Christ have put on Christ. 
all right? It gets you into the body, but spiritual gifts edify the body. Spiritual gifts don't get you into the body. Spiritual gifts edify the body. Amen. The Holy Ghost, spirit baptism, water baptism get you into the body, and spiritual gifts then will edify the body. The Bible says in Romans 6, Sister McGee, and verse number three, and I probably don't have, I do, well, God bless my heart, I remembered. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus that were baptized into his death? Verse number four, therefore we are buried with him by baptism to death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So we again have what's being spoken of here, a water baptism and spirit baptism, uh, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, repentance, baptism, and filled with the Holy Ghost, newness of life, walking in newness of life is happening right there. Interestingly, in Acts chapter 2, the Bible speaks of water baptism and it speaks of spirit baptism. And some then will go to Ephesians 4 and 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Let's say right there, there's one baptism, that's water baptism, there's no such thing as spirit baptism. But if you go on with Ephesians 4, 5 and go to verse number 6, and one God and Father of all, which who is above all and through all, and everybody say, in you all. In you all, in you all spirit baptism. Someone hear me? Spirit baptism. Amen. Water baptism, verse number 5. One baptism, and then verse number six, in you all, spirit baptism. For that matter, in Hebrews 6, whenever it begins to speak, it speaks again in the plurality of baptisms. It says baptisms, all right? So when we talk about baptism, we're talking about water baptism and spirit baptism. Say, so, well, for that matter, I don't know, but McGee, I think things have been changed. Well, in Acts chapter, and the book of Acts was written somewhere around 54 AD. When we go to Ephesians, it was written somewhere around 60 AD. So after the facts, if you want to interpret that as one baptism, that spirit baptism isn't included in verse number uh, uh, six, as in you all. But then when you get back in Hebrews, uh, uh, the baptisms are there again, but at a later sort in time than 54 AD and 60 AD. It's of a later year and a later time again than that where it said supposedly one baptism. So we're still talking about two baptisms, water baptism and spirit baptism. And so the Lord has organized a power of operation in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I got to get moving. I'm sorry if I'm talking quick because I got to. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, a power of operation. You will notice that there were gifts of the Spirit operating in the book of Acts. The Spirit is active. The Spirit is active. In Acts chapter number 3, you read of the apostles using gifts of faith and miraculous power took place for a man who had been lame above 40 years uh, to walk and leap and praise God who had been sitting at the gate called Beautiful. In Acts chapter number 4, you read about how the apostles were per put in jail overnight for preaching the message of Jesus Christ and they came and they came and stood before the chief and the elders and they had a wisdom that they were speaking that was beyond themselves because the rulers knew these are ignorant and unlearned men, but they said these, these come with boldness. They're saying some things beyond themselves. They have been with 
Jesus, the Bible says. They took knowledge of them as a result of that. In Acts chapter number 7, a preacher prays, that is, Stephen, for the forgiveness of those who are stoning him to death. In Acts chapter number 5 and 12 and 27, there's times where angels are standing by the people of God. In Acts chapter number 9, Saul was struck down on his path to Damascus. Hand of the Lord comes upon him, and he becomes a great apostle people of all religious backgrounds uh, were baptized in Jesus name and filled with the Holy Ghost the Jews in Jerusalem of Acts chapter number 2 Samaritans of Samaria in Acts chapter number 8 Gentiles of Cornelius's house in Acts chapter two, number 10 even some followers of John the Baptist of Acts chapter 19 those who were of Ephesus amen so there were supernatural events taking place through the New Testament church the Bible even says in Acts 5 and verse 12 and by the hand of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch and of the rest durst no man join himself to them but the people magnified them they were just amazed about the signs and wonders and miracles that were taking place in the early church verse 14 says and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes both of men and women insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. And there came also a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem, bringing six folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. Now supernatural power is happening in the New Testament church. I mean the shadow of the apostle Peter is going by, and just his shadow that's touching people, people are being healed of their sickness and their disease unclean spirits are departing from people who have them the operation of the Holy Ghost was at work amen that operation is still at work today that operation is still at work today but concerning the spiritual gifts the nine spiritual gifts of 1 Corinthians 12 they're given for the purpose of edifying or if you will building up the church building up the church and they are largely also in some, some of their aspects are for the use of being a testimony to unbelievers. Amen. A testimony to unbelievers. In 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 8, the Bible speaks of this first gift of the Spirit. And I'm not going to talk of these in order because you can almost categorize uh, the gifts of the Spirit. But we'll, we'll look at these first group to be those that the, the, the knowledge gifts or to know supernaturally, if you will, the knowledge gifts. And it says the word of wisdom or the message of wisdom, wise counsel, wise advice word of wisdom that will come and sometimes the word of wisdom is operated whenever someone may it doesn't even have to be in a church setting but it happens whenever maybe when it meets with somebody that doesn't know what they should do amen and somebody just gives a word of wisdom a word of wisdom that can be shared that may give somewhat of a direction for instance in Acts 6 we understand that the Grecians were being overlooked with the serving of tables, the widows. And the Bible speaks of the apostles there. There was a solution that came up. And they said, wherefore, brethren, you know, we, we should look out among us seven men of honest report, 
full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom who, who we may be able to appoint over this business so they can attend to the widows and the Grecians and everybody will be taken care of so we can give ourselves uh, to the ministry of the word and prayer. Well, what happened in that episode right there somebody just operated in the word of wisdom uh, there was a situation that needed some type of solution amen God no doubt inspired their heart and mind to come up with a word of what you know what here's what we need to do let's get seven men that can look over this business and we can still attend to the business of the ministry the word and prayer like we need to that was a word of wisdom I've had that happen in my life before uh, that, 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 that somebody spoke something and it brought clarity to something that was a little that was confusion it brought clarity and and it wasn't like uh, the the clouds just came in and it was like thus saith the Lord it was just sharing in conversation a word of wisdom was shared that brought clarity to a situation or or to a particular issue in my life that I needed some some clearance on some some clarification over and the Bible speaks also in verse number 8 about a word of knowledge a message of knowledge clear understanding a, a special gift of knowledge the word of knowledge comes sometimes with some details that gives confirmation to you about something going on in your life it, the word of knowledge gives confirmation you may already be feeling something or headed a direction but word of knowledge comes and it's not vague it's very precise so that you know that they didn't know, but God did know. And God's using them with certain defined details. And that word of knowledge, that knowledge, information uh, uh, comes and they're able to share that. And what that does for us then who are recipients of the word of knowledge, it brings a confirmation about what we were already feeling in our life or it helps us to deter if it's not in alignment with that. Especially when things are named that maybe you did, you said, you prayed about. Nobody else knew, but that word of knowledge comes. How do they know that? God, that spirit, that spirit, that spirit comes and invests in them that word of knowledge they didn't know anything about. And it either confirms or or it negates what, what you're going on, what's happening in your life. But you know, you know you can trust that because certain details are mentioned that nobody else knows. And so a word of knowledge comes into your line. The difference between a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge is that insight into the divine things is that wisdom is the skill in administering the insight and the word of knowledge is knowledge of that insight. All right? So the word of knowledge, you have knowledge of it, but wisdom is the how to do with that knowledge. We need wisdom. Sometimes I got the knowledge, but to know how to apply it is where the breakdown is. And so I'd say, uh, by and large, uh, Bishop, that uh, pastors probably, by and large, many times are operating in those two gifts many times through a pastoral ministry of word of knowledge and word of wisdom uh, within their congregations, particularly whenever people come seeking counsel uh, for things going on in their life because there's been times that I know God opened up my mind to say something that I didn't have planned to say, but God was trying to give a word of wisdom all right, to whoever I was speaking to or consulting with for the purpose of their life to try to help along the journey. Amen. Uh, In Acts chapter number 5, verse number 1, the Bible says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession 
and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and bought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So what was happening, people were selling their possessions, they were taking all that money and they were giving it to the church for the distribution of those who lacked, who was in need. And so they did this as well, but rather than giving it all, they kept back just a little bit for oh, Ananias and Sapphira. Now, one of the appearance that they were doing as everybody else was doing, but we're just gonna t- tuck some of that back. And they laid it at the apostles' feet. And the Bible says, and Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Now, if Ananias hasn't told anybody that, number one, right here, we have a word of knowledge being exercised. <laughs> why, why are you keeping back a, a part or a piece of, uh, of the price of land why it, re- why it remained was it not thine own after it was sold was it not thine own power why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart that thou hast not lied thou hast not lied to the men but unto God and Ananias hearing these words fell down and gave up the ghost and great fear came up on them all so here we have and no one knew anything about this. This is Ananias and Sapphira's thing. They got their own thing going, okay? Going to tuck a little George and a, a few Benjamin Franklins back in the pocket, you know? And we're going to set that down. We just did the same. And he said, hold on. Why have you kept back part? Well, did you say anything? No, I didn't, you know. <laughs> how, how is this possible? Word of knowledge. God-inspired knowledge, amen, coming into that circumstance. 1 Corinthians twelve ten. we read about the gift of the discerning of spirits or the distinguishing between spirits, the ability to know whether it is really the spirit of God or another spirit that is speaking or operating, a discerning of spirits. We need this today. I mean, the Bible even implores us in the epistles that just even to know those that labor among us, work among us, gifts of the spirit. We need to be able to discern spirits. Uh, We need this in everyday life. Some of the places you go, you need to be able to discern the spirit. Amen. Uh, be able to, to discern the Lord whenever he speaks to you or give you a word of knowledge. Uh, years ago, years ago, whenever there was the shooting in Paducah, the, sh- the shooting in Paducah uh, in, the, in, the, in the, the, the area there, Brother, Brother Aldridge's daughter was in that, 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 that place in Pavilion where all that took place. And just seconds before that happened, uh, something told her to duck. And the moment that she did, the air was glazed with the fire of the gunman. What is that? That is a word of knowledge. Duck. Now, now, when's the last time you just somewhere and you know something just tells you to duck and you're like, what? Yeah, right. That's a word of knowledge that was operating there for that circumstance. But we need discerning of spirits too. You never know what you're around uh, and, and making sure something, whether it be of God or whether it not, because there's other spirits in this world besides the Holy Spirit. Amen. There's other spirits in this world besides the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we got to discern the spirits. Uh, The apostles did in Acts number 8 whenever they went to Samaria and there had already been one there, Simon the sorcerer. And uh, I'm not going to read all the verses, but I'll just kind of relay the hand. And Simon saw them laying hands on people and the Holy Ghost was given. And, and Simon offered them, them money that whoever then he could lay his hands upon may receive the Holy Ghost as well. And Peter basically told him, hey, your, your money's just going to perish with you. Uh, he said, because you, you basically can't purchase the gift of God with money. You can't do that. And he told Simon, and he said, you have neither part nor lot in this matter. And notice what's the, 
the, Peter told him, he, he said, your heart is not right in the sight of God. Now, how do you know that, Peter? He was discerning the spirit of Simon, uh, the sorcerer. He said, repent of your wickedness. He said, pray God, perhaps the thoughts of your heart may be forgiven you. He said, because I perceive you're in the gall of bitterness. You're in the gall of bitterness, in the bond of iniquity. You're not quite over what you was involved in with your sorcery here. I'm discerning the spirit here. And so uh, you, you, your motive is incorrect. Your motive is not right. And he discerned the spirit and was able to give some direction. He knew that Simon's heart was not right, that he was making this request through, through wickedness and the gall of bitterness, had the impure motive uh, that was mine. But Peter had a discerning of spirit to know that, to know the difference, whether that was proper or improper. Amen. So we got to be able to discern the spirit. Know the spirit of God. Know the, how do you know the spirit of God, Brother McGee? The more time you spend with him, the more time you'll know his spirit. Amen. You know sir, certain likes, dislikes, things about your spouse or your significant other because you have spent enough time with them. You have learned and gotten to know that. And so there's certain things maybe that you don't do, you will not buy, or you won't go out to eat at. Why? Because you're conscious and you know your partner. Well, the more time you spend with him, uh, you know when it is him or when it isn't him. As we said before, they used to say, you know, the best way to know the difference in counterfeit money is to keep on familiar, familiarizing yourself with the genuine. You don't, have to, you don't have to decide all these different counterfeits. The more you keep yourself acquainted with the genuine, you'll know when a counterfeit comes by because you'll be so used and familiar with the genuine. You're like, oh, this isn't right. Uh, years ago, whenever we evangelized and we were at a church and we were praying, there was someone there uh, praying and uh, all of a sudden they began to speak in tongues. And uh, when they spoke in tongues, it was very, very harsh, very, very, uh, uh, almost like in a mad set of tone, uh, this girl did. And we stopped, began to pray for her because our spirits was not checking with what was happening right there. It was very, it was almost like in an evil tone, very abrupt and harsh and mean-spirited uh, doing that. And the Bible speaks of his spirit being as a dove that is gentle, uh-huh a dove is gentle and it was and we began to pray and we prayed over her and it was a period of time that over time that all of that left and it was then just such a sweet speaking in the, an, an unknown tongue and language and to come out to find later that prior to her ever coming to the church she had been involved in, in wicca and witchery and so on and so forth the, the devil himself can also appear as an angel of light the scripture says and he's still endeavoring to do that today how will I know the difference brother mcgee a discerning of the spirit a discerning of the spirit amen everything that says it is of god is not of god you better know them that labor among you you better be able to discern the spirit and that's that's a gift that's given to some amen and it may come in your life at a particular time when you need it and you may never use it again it's just the way that God sees and declares for that to take place or happen. Amen. Going on now with 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 9. If we talk about gifts of knowledge, uh, these would be gifts of actions, I suppose, or gifts of power. Uh, the gift of faith. Simple trust. Simple trust in the Lord. Wonder working faith. Special faith. For we know by the word of God that all of us have been given a measure the Bible says of faith and uh, 
part and parcel our salvation experience comes through and by our faith all right this is a a gift of power of a wonder working faith they they had a divine certainty within their souls that seems to triumph over everything else uh, for some of the ones that came to the Lord and he said, Lord, you just send the word. My, my servant said, you just send the word and he'll be healed. And he said, I've not seen so great faith all in all, in all Israel because this, this is kind of going above and beyond. It's, it's just a, another notch. It triumphing over everything. You don't have to visit my house, Lord. Just speak the word. Now that's some, that's some, that's some great faith that's some great faith uh, Paul and others were on the ship during the storm that would eventually destroy the ship and Paul through an action of faith said hey listen guys except you abide in the ship yeah, you're not going to be saved the angel of the Lord has stood by me this night and said this is the way that it's going to be and Paul was speaking faith into their lives I know you're wanting to abandon ship but it's best if we stay on the ship and by faith he told them it's going to be okay it's going to be alright that's operating in the gift of faith. Whenever something comes in your life, let it be a health issue and you feel in your spirit, you're like, this is going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. That is a spirit and a gift of faith that is operating in your life. Paul told him, he said, be of good cheer. I mean, we have a tempestuous storm here of Earl Clyden, the Bible says. But he says, be of good cheer. There's not going to be any loss, just the ship. Be of good cheer, amen, for I believe God. Paul was demonstrating a gift of faith in that moment. Amen. An action of power of faith. Verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 12. 12 gifts of healing. Power to heal the sick. Now that power is not the person. The power is the spirit that's in the person. Amen. Anybody can pray for the sick. Amen. The Bible particularly calls, and James, we should call for the elders of the church, yeah, and ministry prays. But anybody can pray for the sick. Amen. You have somebody in your family or something that's sick, please don't tell them we'll come to church and they'll pray. Pray for them. <laughs> come to church at such and such time and we'll, we'll have a time. You know. Just pray for them. Just pray. Anybody can pray uh, for the sick. Amen. Even though that there may have some that have a special gift in the aspect of being able to pray for the sick. Christ, even in his earthly ministry, he was restrained in his praying for the sick sometimes because of the unbelief of the people, the Bible tells us. Amen. And listen, there is only one divine healer. And that is the Lord of glory. Now, he may use people, but it's just that he uses. They are like a piece of conduit that water flows through. They are not the source or the fountainhead. They are just a tool that he uses. I've known people throughout uh, my life that God has used them in the gifts of healing, sometimes for particular things. I know of uh, some pastors and ministers that God uses them for people that maybe are infertile and able to have children, that they have prayed for them. And it's just, it's just a gift, a particular gift God has given them. Nine months from then, they're going to be having a baby. It's just it's just the way God and God says the way that I've given to you just exercise according to your ability and there's been others that I've known that's had the gift of, gift of healing for people that's had cancer or diabetes amen and that, that they just pray over people like that and God does the work of healing them amen and healing by and large many times when we speak of healing it's something that, 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 that takes place over a process of time 
Healing takes place over a process of time. Amen. But Jesus, again, did not many mighty works uh, in some of the places he went because of their unbelief. We find an example of the gift of healing in Acts. The Bible says in Acts 5 and verse 12, and by the hands of the apostles were many many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And it said later there in verse 16, and they were healed every one. Again, speaking of that shadow of Peter that passed by, healing uh, these different ones that were in need of healing for their physical bodies. Verse number 10 of 1 Corinthians 12, the working of miracles, performing of miracles, acts and power of miracles. Now, a miracle is against the course of nature. A miracle is against the course of nature in all odds. A healing by and large, a healing by and large is when the natural course of restoration is operated. A natural course of restoration. But a miracle is against the course of nature. Many times, miracles are instantaneous, whereas a healing may be a process of time. A process of time. And not every miracle is a physical item. I know our mind goes that direction, but not every miracle is a physical item. Amen. Sometimes it can be something unseen. We've had people with miracles concerning vehicle accidents. Uh Uh-huh. That what could have happened didn't happen, and how did it not happen? That was a miracle. It might not have concerned their physical body, but it concerned keeping them, amen, from something happening to their physical body. All right? And so the Bible says in Acts 19 that God wrought special miracles by the hand of Paul. Miracles were done. Also, if we can go on, look at another category, and they would be the vocal or the speech gifts, the utterance, if you will. In verse number 10, it speaks about the gift of prophecy or proclamation or prophetic insight. Amen. Uh, Sometimes it's the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose of God, the ability to prophesy. For one thing, anytime we stand up here and preach the word of God, the gift of prophecy is in operation. Because this is giving the divine will and purpose of God. All right? But also there are gifts of prophecy, amen, that are used. Uh, Spontaneous inspiration comes, amen. And there is a word, you all, some have experienced that. We've had people come through here and preach for us that God has used them in the gifts of prophecy. And within that, though we see words of wisdom and words of knowledge, people just kind of just use a big umbrella and say, well, that's prophecy. But sometimes he's given you a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. But being prophetic, the, the foretelling or the warning of something yet in the future, maybe that has not come about, many times correlates with prophecy but we've had people like that we've had the brother Harris's that's come by and we have had uh the 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 escape of my mind right now the other one amen we was going to have brother Leach come by but he didn't make it and and uh we had a brother and sister what were their name hurt brother and sister hurt that came by and so on and so forth that God uses them in that capacity but again I want to emphasize those things are used just to supplement God's word not to replace God's word, all right? In, in verse number five of 1 Corinthians 14, I would tell ye all spake with tongues, but rather that ye all prophesied. For greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edification. That the church may receive edification. Amen. What he is saying is this. If there's tongues with no interpretation, then we lack the edification for the body said but if there is 
prophecy, prophecy edifies the moment it happens. He said, so the, 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 greater, the greater gift is prophecy than just speaking in tongues because in a prophecy there's edification right away. But the only way, though, that that would be not the case is when the tongues also have the interpretation so that we can have the edification for the body of Christ. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 12.10, we have also diverse kinds of tongues or numerous different kinds of tongues, various kinds of tongues. Now, if there's anything, any of the gifts that anybody would probably be uh, somewhat exposed to, it would be the gift of tongues and interpretation. And that happens commonly in the churches. Some of the others happen, you just don't realize they happen. Amen. But tongues and interpretation, we understand whenever these things happen. A supernatural empowerment, if you will, to speak in a language Amen. You don't know, and it's not, it's not the gift of the Holy Ghost operating at that time. It's a word coming forth through tongues that needs an interpretation for the edification then of the body of Christ. And sometimes it happens in the way that there comes a hush in the congregation, like a little lull in the spirit. You know something is about to happen. And so you're already anticipating that and revering, revering that in order for those tongues to come forth and everybody pray that there might be interpretation to happen as well. Amen. Now, it's important to denote in 1 Corinthians 14, the Bible speaks whenever you give forth the tongues, pray that ye, inter- that pray that ye might be able to interpret. So if you were to give a message in tongues, don't just lollydoll off like, well, I did my part, bless God. No. The Bible says, pray that ye, the one who gave the tongues, might be able to interpret. If not, then we pray, and we're quiet, and we wait upon the Lord, that if it would come about, and again, 1 Corinthians 14 gives the guidelines and the administration of how to handle the vocal gifts of tongues and interpretation, but it's that supernatural empowerment that comes on uh, a person so God can speak to his people. He spoke of it in the book of Isaiah that in stammering lips in another tongue he would speak to his people because the church may need spoken to or there may be an individual directly in that house that may need a particular word from the Lord. When we talk about tongues there is the initial evidence of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, those tongues. There is the first Corinthians 12, uh, the gift if you will of divers tongues and then also in 1 Corinthians 14 we read in the first couple of verses about tongues as a as a devotion or a personal renewing of the spirit of whenever you're praying and the Bible says when you know not what you ought to pray pray in the Holy Ghost amen praying in tongues and when you do that God's spirit is making intercession through you And whenever you pray in the Holy Ghost or pray in tongues, you're praying about things you don't even know about because the Spirit is making intercessions for you. You might be naming things in people's life your humanity knows nothing about, but God's Spirit that enables the tongues knows the situation. And so, and we need that. We need to get to places that whenever we pray, it's not, and we go to our closet of prayer, it's not just everything that we have knowledge of, but get to a place where we would pray in tongues so God can use you as a vessel to pray for issues, calamities, whatever it may be in people's life, the life of the world, the life of the church that you don't know about but he knows about and he's going to use you to utter it amen amen intercessory as we would call it intercessory prayer intercessory prayer praying things that you don't even know about because the spirit is praying through you and using you to do that amen 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 4, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself. Paul said in verse 5, I would that all speak with tongues. He said in verse 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. Amen. If you speak an unknown tongue and it's just in your prayer closet and, and just for the edification of yourself, but if you're among a body of believers and this happens, and here's, here's the thing, we, we got to decipher whether we're entering in something where God's just blessing our life or if God's wanting to speak to the body. Because sometimes there can come, we think every time there's a law or a hush in a service, then, well, there's going to be a message at tongues. Well, that may not be the case. That may not be the case. And some people sometimes have functioned in that capacity, and that hasn't been the case, but that's okay. I don't want you to, you know, hang up your, hang up your sword and your armor and somewhere on the nail and say, well, fooey on this. Uh, man, I just applaud somebody trying to be sensitive enough that if that is what God would want. Amen. But we've got to watch that. We've we, we, we got to watch that. Just because there's a hush doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be a message in tongues. That's where the discerning of spirits comes in. Amen. These, these things all work in conjunction and together. All right? Amen. And they belong to the Spirit. Amen. Uh, going on to verse number 5 of 1 Corinthians 14. Speaking in other tongues for the edification of the church I would that you all speak with tongues here it is again but rather that you prophesied I've read that for greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh with tongues except that he interpret that the church may receive edifying verse 12 says even so ye for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church and that's true we are we're zealous to be used in that capacity but by and large, what we need to concentrate on is that this is going to be for the edification of the body of Christ, the edification of the church. Amen. And then with that, then you have the interpretation of tongues that comes after a tongues message. One may speak in tongues and that same person may interpret the tongue or maybe someone else in the church interpret the tongue. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 14 tells us that if any man speak an unknown tongue, let it by, be by two or at the most. Everybody say most. The most by three and that by course, which in the, the definition of that in the Greek is each in turn. And let one interpret. In other words, we don't need two or three people trying to give a message in tongues at the same time. That's not decent in order as the Bible prescribes. Or as 1 Corinthians 14 prescribes. Let it be by course, each in turn. There have been times people give a message in tongues and seemingly there is no interpretation and then you hear another message and then maybe it's interpreted or there is it. Then there's another message and then maybe someone interprets. If there is a fourth message, somebody stepped outside of the realm <laughs> by most three and that by course in turn, in turn. Amen. And there's the admonition, verse 28, but if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. If you ever wondered, anybody that's new around here ever wondered why we do that? Man, man that happened. Everybody just got quiet, you know. That's why. Let them keep silent in the church, all right? Let us keep silent and let him speak to himself and to God, all right? Amen. Only one is to interpret. Only one really is to interpret. If I read Scripture correctly, only one is to interpret, the Bible says. In verse 27, if those by most three and that by course and let one interpret. Amen. And so missing touch sometimes have been missed for a few reasons. Sometimes other people not being sensitive of what's going on, uh, they've interrupted, been interrupted by something else happening in the church. 
All right. Uh, or someone tried to give an interpretation that wasn't even correct. We, we could share funny stories about that. And I guess they're funny. I don't know if you really need to pose that as funny, but some funny things about that, but we won't. But, but again, it's not the end of the world. Okay? It's not the end of the world. Uh, we, want, we don't want that to become a reoccurrence habit uh, because what that does is breed confusion, and God's not the author of that. God's not the author of that. Amen. And so we've got to be careful with that, with that interpretations of tongue, the, the ability to interpret the message given in tongues. Amen. That interpretation of tongues. And thank God, and I, I do want to say I thank God uh, that over the history of this church, the people have operated in different one of these at different times, and we have been better at times than others uh, in order to be used in that. But we, we should, because those are the gifts of the Spirit, the Spirit that God has uh, invested in the lives of His people. Uh, the, those should be at work in the church today. Amen. In the church today. Amen. They need to be at work. And so, again, chapter 14 gives some regulation concerning the vocal gifts, the, the controls that are needed to regulate the operation of the gifts in particular. And there must be, there must be some balance in the church. Uh, you can go to the extreme in any direction. And there, there must be some balance. Uh, you know, he spoke to him in one place of Scripture that whenever they all come, does not everyone have a psalm, a doctrine, a tongue, a revelation, an interpretation? But he said, let all things be done into edifying. <laughs> everybody come with a tongue, everybody with a psalm. Well, let's everybody just have their chance for their psalm and their tongue and let it all be done for edifying. And he also encloses there in the Scripture decency and in order to bring balance uh, back to all of those things. Amen. Balance. That there be uplifting the church with the instruction, the revelation, the tongue. Amen. And notice what he said uh, to kind of start it all off. He said, if any man speak in an unknown tongue. He said, if. Meaning we're not going to have tongues and interpretation every service. If. If this is what occurs, if this is what happens, and then this is how it follows up, or this is how it should be handled. And not all at the same time, but one at a time, as I've already prefaced as well. Amen. Amen. And don't, don't, don't be discouraged sometimes if a pastor or leader up here discerning the Spirit is feeling like, you know, because again, not every time the pastor has the interpretation. And don't, don't, don't feel odd whenever he says someone obeyed the Lord. What, let me give you the interpretation of that. I don't have it. Somebody else must. All right? Seriously. Because we have that tendency just to look to him. We'll wait and we'll wait. If you notice, I don't wait real long. Because I don't think God has to think about what he's saying. Okay? Uh, I'm going to move on. Uh, for one thing, if you wait there too long, then you, it's like trying to get a donkey out of a pit. <laughs> Is that all right? Um, but I don't wait long. And, you know, I know whenever you first start with some of those aspects, you know, you're afraid. You might have sweaty palms and blah, 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 so on and so forth. But the more that you allow God to deal with you in that realm, I'm not, the, 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 
I'm, I'm scared to use the word comfortable, but the more comfortable you'll feel in letting him use you in that realm. Does that make sense? You know, Brother Fred, the first time you ever painted a car, yeah, okay. But nowadays, you know, you don't think twice about it. It's just common to you because you've done it so many times. Does that make sense? You know, for, for analogy purposes. Um, but, 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 so, so we, 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 we don't, 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 <laughs> don't worry about it if we just say, you know, somebody needs to obey the Lord. Take that as it is, really. And whenever we're in that hush of prayer, or that hush of prayer, don't let your mind be going, you know, down the shopping aisles of Walmart. Lo and behold, God might have you wanting to use you, but you don't have your mind where your mind needs to be, and he'll find somebody that he'll use uh, for the purpose. But God is for sure uh, not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches and the saints, the Bible says, amen. And so there's sometimes I do move on. If I just move on uh, with the service because it is deemed necessary at that point in time. I'm going over today. Discerning of spirits, for instance, whenever you pray with other people, I've seen people, man, they felt all the prayer all up in their grill. I mean, the person that was praying for the other person felt it a whole lot more than the person being prayed for. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, they really felt it coming down. But there wasn't a whole lot going on with the person they were praying for. A good gift of, of discernment would say, you know what, maybe we just should let this go for now. You already received the Holy Ghost five times while he's praying for him. You know, whatever. I'm, I'm serious, just a good spirit of discernment just to know whenever... We're not going any further. This is just not the time, and, and their spirit is not in a receptive mode for this, and we just need to go on. You know, you gotta, you got to watch that. And that's the reason sometimes when things like that may be happening, and you might crucify me, I don't know, that I go on and move on because I don't exercise in none of the gifts of the spirit but the spirit of observation at that moment <laughs> and see that we just need to go on. There's some things you don't have to have a gift of spirit. You, sometimes God gave me the spirit of observation. <laughs> And we just need to go on. And there's nothing wrong with that. And so uh, just trust, trust, trust whoever God has placed as leadership in your life to trust that they're doing what God wants to be done and we're just going to flow with that. And uh, I'll go home and pray some more. <laughs> Praise God. You know, whatever. Uh, because the thing is, too, with all this, folks, whenever you have outsiders that enter the church and they hear nothing but for instance, message in tongues and nothing interpreted. That's not beneficial to the unbeliever. It benefits them whenever there's that and then an interpretation that takes place. Because people come in here unlearned and they're unbelievers. The Paul said, would not even they say that you're mad if you come in doing this thing. But if there's interpretation, so then that brings, they can understand that. It brings then edification to the body and even to them. And so we got to have self-control. The Bible says that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So all this thing says, well, I just couldn't hold back. You can. Because there's other times that you should have took a lap and you held back. Oh, God, it's getting deep. You understand what I'm saying? Don't tell me you can't hold back with certain things, but because I see it sometimes here and there every service, you know, when people hold back. You can restrain. <laughs> the gifts of the prophet are subject to the prophet. The gifts of the spirit are subject to those who are used by him. You're either going to be willing and give yourself to that or you're going to 
uh, pull that in. And then you know, as you do that more often, you know when it's proper and when it's right, when the timing is right. There's been times in my own use where God has uh, uh, used me that I knew that it was there and I knew, I knew that God had something, but the timing of when it should be relayed was not yet there. And so we've got to be careful not to cast untimely figs. The fig's good, but the timing is wrong. And so, so, you know, God can deal with you. I remember years ago at uh, the old church, sometimes God put something in my spirit during prayer before service. It was for that evening. It wasn't a part of my message or anything. And it might either have been a message in tongues that came forth that then God said, this is the interpretation for that. Or it could have been a word of prophecy that at the proper time, whenever God said, do it, you do it. But we didn't walk out that night and they started over and I just said, thus saith the Lord. Because that's what I felt over here. No. No, everything in decency and in order. Amen. God has order. If you don't think so, start in Genesis and begin to see the distinct order and structure of God. Amen. Orderly, orderliness. Everything decent and in order. Amen. Amen. Stand with me and I'll close because I know y'all's getting hungry. Gifts of the Spirit. Manifestations of the Spirit of God they're still at work today are they still at work today in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 2 whenever he opened the book uh, to, or the letter to the Corinthians he spoke to them and he addressed them he said unto the church of God which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Jesus in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all everybody say all that in every place everybody say every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ our Lord both theirs and ours so he was divulging something and it is the book of Corinthians and majority for Corinth but he says to all and everyone everywhere that's calling upon the name of the Lord and so the spectrum got very broad and then he said in verse 7 so that you come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the gifts are still at act today amen even come by in no gift as we're waiting for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 5.20 told us that we should despise not prophesying. And in the context of what he's speaking about in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, he's saying until the coming of the Lord. So don't despise prophesying until the coming of the Lord. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't stop short. The Bible says anyway that we, we prophesy in part, we know in part, but when are he which is perfect that has come, it'll be done away. Amen. He is coming back again whenever he comes and he sets up his kingdom on this earth. We'll have no more need for prophecy. We'll have no more need for tongues and interpretation. For that matter, whenever the church has changed, we will be known as he is. We'll be as he is. The questions, everybody say, whenever I get to heaven, I'm going to ask all these questions. You won't have to because you'll be as he is. With your translation, every question that you had will be answered in a moment. Amen going to be answered in a moment they are still at work today and we need them still at work in the church why because the church needs edification the church needs built up we do you tell me that over the course of years whenever God has spoken at different times and he said I've made that place my habitation don't think for a moment that didn't build you up as a church member that God would say that he would make this place as his habitation that builds you up. We need that edification, amen, as individuals and collectively. There's nothing to be afraid of whenever we have someone come through and operate in some of those things. 
you should look at it that God may or may not use this individual while they're here to help edify something in my life help build up something in my life and you know what folks again all that it does is compliment his word he's not going to give you instruction different than the instruction that he's already given you in his word it's going to be in alignment with his word if it's not there's your first clue that somebody has stepped outside of the realm they're not operating in his spirit if it doesn't correlate with his word if someone comes and said thus saith the Lord hate your brother well let me tell you something there's two things wrong about that hate your brother and using the Lord to say it <laughs> it doesn't correlate with his word amen so then even us as people when we're recipients of that of different things I admonish you please just don't take it at face value correlate it with his word because brother Mason I've known too many people said well such and such spoke this into my life and that which was spoken in their life didn't correlate with the word watch it people using the gifts are not super spiritual people hear me God gives to whoever he wants they're not super spiritual people the church at Corinth look at everything they had fornication going on bunch of immorality that was taking place if you read Corinthians taking the brethren and sisters to law to court but they lacked in no gift so super spirituality doesn't necessarily be in used in the spirit amen amen or does it mean that you're just so mature in God oh they're so mature in God God can use anyone with his spirit we just make ourselves a vessel vessel for that use make ourselves available for that use you got a song we can sing thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day